Amen. You may be seated. Calvary students, so glad that you are here this evening. And I'm still, I can still smell Oreo on my face because I, I wanted, I, I'm, I'm really competitive. So if I lose, I want to play again, but I didn't get to play again. Jackie didn't let me. It's okay. Whatever. But I'm so glad you all are here this evening. We're wrapping up our series on Overwhelm. We are in week four of this series of Overwhelmed. And last week, we talked about the importance of community, the importance of us coming together as one church, as one body, right, as a family. In times of darkness, in times when we're afraid, in times when we don't know what to do, how important it is that our community be there. We talked about coming with confidence, knowing that a God who starts something is going to finish it. And as we continue this, sto- the, 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 this message, this idea of being overwhelmed, uh, an image comes to my mind. Have any, has anybody ever been in a cave before? Like, anybody? Yeah, yeah. So I've never really been in a cave, but when you think of a cave, it's dark, it's, it's mysterious, you don't know what's going on in there. The closest I could come to, to coming to a cave was one time my family and I, we went to Mexico, I was a little kid, and we went to some ranch, like we went up these mountains, and I was like, where are we going? Like, it was one of those mountains where they had no rails on the side, so if you look over, you could like pass out because you're that scared. And, and we're driving up there, we get there, we stay with our family who has a ranch. But it was cold. It was around the time when it was still cold. It was like winter still. And it gets cold in Mexico, some areas. And especially when you're all the way up there in a high altitude. And we stayed in this like shack, like this, this like cement type of like home. And it was me, my brother, and my dad. We all stayed in one bed. Uh, and, and, and I remember when they turned out the lights, they turned out the lights. Like, it was dark. It was scary. And I was like, I couldn't see, like, pitch black. I could not see anything. And I have never been in a room where it was, like, pitch black. Not only pitch black, but, like, dead silence. Like, you couldn't hear anything. It was like the room was soundproof. And I was like, if we die, nobody's going to come save me because nobody's going to hear me. Like, that's how quiet it was. And it was dark. And (laughs) side note that I just remembered that I think it's a funny story. I remember we were sleeping and all of a sudden you like heard like a and I was like, was that the Holy Spirit or was that something else? It was my brother and it smelled terrible. Sorry, I just I should I just needed to get up at my chest because like (laughs) I just remembered as as we were as I was thinking about it right now. Sorry, that was not in my message. I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, the point is, is that cave is dark. It's scary. And today we're going to finish with a story, okay? We're going to finish with a story found in the Old Testament about a man, a prophet named Elijah. And it's a common story. You may have heard it before, and you may not know who Elijah is. Well, in the Old Testament, some some nerd facts for you guys, because I'm a nerd about the Bible. Uh, There are prophets in the Old Testament, and, and these people were people who were connected to God. They were messengers of God. They would tell whatever God tells them to tell to the people. And so Elijah was one of these prophets, these teachers, right? These divine people that, would, that God would use to talk through uh, to people. And the story, we're going to, it happens when Elijah had just finished completing a task, okay? He just finished doing something for God, but he upset a lot of people in the process. And there was a, a, a person, a, a woman of royalty named Jezebel, who ruled certain areas, and she was so upset that she ended up threatening Elijah uh, that, he, that she was going to kill him. She's like, I promise you're going to die by tomorrow, like you're going to be gone because of what you did to me and my people. Like he had like destroyed their, their gods, their false gods or something like that. And, and he was terrified. He was so scared. 
And this is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you want to follow me there, if not, it'll be on the screen. And we pick up the story in verse 4. And it says here that while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. So Elijah is freaking out. He's running away. He goes into these woods, and he's just tired. You know, I I remember, like, during, like, during a basketball season, we used to work out with the football players, which was a mistake. And I remember just working so hard. We had this, this drill where we would push a truck up a hill, like literally a truck. It was like me and three other dudes. And I'm like pushing, and I'm like trying not to throw like over the truck. And I remember just like, God, just kill me out, please. I'm tired. Like, I can't take this anymore. I'm so stressed. It's too tiring. And then out of nowhere, I hear the whistle blow, and you see another truck pull up with like this huge tank of water. Oh my gosh, I don't, that water must have been like Gatorade to me because it was the most delicious water I've ever tasted in my life. And I ran to that water and I drank out of the water like there was no tomorrow. And then it was like, I drank so much where it's like, you guys ever drank so much like that, like you move, you can literally hear like the, no, well, you need a, lot, a big belly to do that. But the point is, is that, <laughs> that I drank so much, right? And, and I remember in that moment thinking, Man, God provides. God provides. And when we look at the story of Elijah, Elijah's running away. He must be exhausted. He wants to die. He's literally telling the Lord, Lord, kill me now. I can't do it. And he's there on the floor. And then an angel comes, though. And God provided a few things here. First of all, he provided an angel. God provided someone to talk to Elijah and say, yo, get up eat. Get up and eat. And then he provided him with food. And Elijah got up, saw some food. How many of y'all just get over yourself after you eat? (laughs) You're like, okay, I eat. I'm, I'm happy now. Right? Like that happens all the time. And Elijah sees the food and he eats. And then he provides rest for him. He eats, and what does he do? Goes back to sleep. That sounds like a lot of y'all during spring break or summer. You wake up, you eat, play Fortnite, and go back to sleep. It's the best life ever, right? Yeah, not all of us get to do that, okay? I remember those days, though. Um, they were beautiful. But he provides. He always provides, even when we don't know that we need to be provided for. Keep in mind, Elijah is running for his life, thinking that this is the end, thinking that his life's about to end. To the point where he gave up, and he said, hey, get up, eat, and rest. God always provides. I remember we had gone to San Antonio, or Austin, I'm sorry, and I was with my friend uh, Annette and my friend Diana, and we were driving back from, I think, we had just gone on a road trip just for fun or something like that, and her, we were in her car, who was supposedly is like gas efficient, right? Like you can drive for four days and never runs out of gas. Well, lo and behold, we hear a ding and we look and the light is on E. 
And I'm like freaking out. I said, this is where I die. Like, this is the moment when, because we're driving back and on this long road where it's just completely dark. Like, if you look outside, like, there's nobody there. There's nothing there. And my friend's like, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And then like 15 minutes go by and there's like no gas station in sight. I'm like, Annette, like, we're going to die. Like, can you please find something quick. She's like, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And then like another 15 minutes goes by and we don't see a gas station. And then this is when I really freaked out. She looked at me, she goes, oh. Hey, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? Like now you're scaring me even more because before she was so confident and now she's not. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm the only guy in there. So they're going to look to me to probably do something but I believe in women, and women have power. Amen? That's right. Equality. Women are strong and independent. But anyway, the point is, lo and behold, we start feeling the truck, and I said, oh, this is it. And then out of nowhere, we see a beautiful light. It says, stripes. And we pull up, and, we, and God pro, I don't care what anybody says, God provided that gas station. Okay, God provided that gas station when we thought we were about to die, when we thought we weren't going to make it. And my question is for you, how has God provided for you? We talked about community last week. Right then and there, you know that God provided a community for you when you're dealing with depression or anxiety or stress. He provides food for you. Your parents provide food for you. That's a blessing from the Lord. He provides a roof over your head. He provided you a ride to come here tonight. He provides salvation through Jesus. He provides peace. God provides. What has he provided for you that you can look back at? How have you seen his goodness and his provision displayed in moments when you didn't even know you needed them? And the story continues in verse 7, and it says that the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate again, and he drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. You see, not only does God provide, God restores See, God is walking every step with Elijah, just as he's doing with us today. He understands the burdens of our lives. He understands how our body works because he created them. So he knew, man, Elijah must be tired. Get up, Elijah. Eat again. And he restored his strength that he was able to walk for another 40 days. God restored his mental mind his passion, he restored his desire to live, essentially. Even though Elijah's still freaking out, he had some reason to keep going. He had the energy from the food that was provided from God. He restored that in Elijah, just as he restores us in Jesus. In times when we're, again, depressed or wanting to end it all. He restores that. God takes the initiative to revive Elijah by sending an angel. This teaches us to never underestimate how our bodies are deeply connected to our spiritual life. Plain and simple, y'all. I'm going to be straight up. Like, I know I need to be healthy. I know that, that, that rest, that sleep is good. I, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I'm not going to say his name, Josh Gornetti. And 
we were talking about how I literally called him yesterday and I was like, hey man, like, we, we need to start eating better. Am I right, Josh? Yep. <laughs> and I said, bro, like, we, we got to do something. Like, this is not good. I, I don't feel healthy. I don't feel motivated. I feel sluggish, right? We got to do something. And, and this is important, right? I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, don't enjoy the blessings of a pizza. It's delicious. But what I am saying is that our bodies deeply affect our mental game. And this is, a, this is just a fact, okay? This is science, but science can also be about Jesus, okay? There's no such thing as Jesus and science being divided. No, our body, anatomy, everything is created by God and for God. And so we need to understand that rest is good. Some of y'all need to stop staying up till four in the morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of y'all need to stop staying up till four in the morning talking about, yo, I'm in the red zone over here. Oh, behind you, behind you, behind you. Like, I don't even know what you're saying half the time. Squat up, squat up. Like, I have no idea, right? But, but y'all need to stop. You got, you got to get some sleep, man. You got to get some rest. You got to eat better. You got to exercise. Go for a walk. Get the blood flowing. If Elijah, under, if Elijah understood this and God understood this, that's why he provided food for him because he knows you need energy to keep going. And then he ends up going into a cave. But while in the cave, Elijah encounters God. It says here in verse nine, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for you, God. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're going to kill me too. And then the Lord God said, go out and stand by the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Yo, have you ever heard that? <laughs> hey, go stand outside because Jesus is about to come out. I'd be like, what? Like, that'd be crazy, yo. I'd be like, yo, I've always been curious. Like, how does he actually look? Like, how tall is he? How short is he? Like, I don't know. But imagine hearing that, you go out. But then this is what Elijah sees. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not on the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not on the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not on the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So here in the beginning, we see God give Elijah time to vent. God, it's because this, because that, I'm the only one left, they're gonna kill me. God's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then this, and then that, and blah, blah, and God's like, okay. And then Elijah finally breathes, and God says, hey, go stand outside. I'm about to show you something. I'm about to show you something. And then he stands outside. And then Elijah's just like, oh. And there's chaos and destruction happening in front of his face, just storms and fire, and I don't know what. I would be like, oh my gosh! But he's just there, and then what is the one thing that catches attention? A gentle whisper. He says, go outside, and there all these things start happening, yet with a whisper, Elijah calms down. You see, Elijah was able to humble himself and was reminded of how powerful, how bigger God was in all of these things that were in front of him, all the storms that were happening, that he can calm the storm with just a whisper, that with just a whisper, he can calm the storm. Are you listening to the whisper? Are you listening for that whisper? Do you hear God's voice calling you out from your cave and reminding you of his love for you, of the peace that he brings that transcends all 
understanding. So Elijah comes back again and he says, and a voice says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, again, Lord, I've been doing all these things for you and I'm the only one left. And verse 15 says this, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mecho, I don't know how to say that word, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So God is saying, again, Elijah saying, God, this is this, this, and he says, go back where you came from and do this for me. You see, God gives purpose. You think he was just feeding him because, hey, you're hungry, huh? You think he got him through the wilderness just for anything? No, he got him through there to remind him of who he is and to remind him that he has a purpose. If you are alive today and breathing, you have a purpose. If you're here in this room right now, every single one of you have a purpose. And you need to be listening for that whisper. You need to be reminded that this is not the end of the world. That the anxiety, the lies that the enemy's filling in your head is nothing compared to the purpose that God has in you. Are you hearing me? You have a purpose. And it hurts me deeply when I think of the possibility of, of young people wanting to take their lives why? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yes, the world can be hard. And it makes me just want to reach out to the students and say, yo, Jesus has something so great for you. If you were to just surrender his life to him, and, and, and this is not planned, but I'm going to ask the band to come back up because this last song that we sang, I mean, the words that were in there, all anxiety is met with peace. That's a truth. That's not an opinion. That's not all oh, that might happen. That's, that's the gospel. Tonight, you have an opportunity to surrender your anxiety, your depression before the Lord. To say, God, I can't do this anymore. You were never meant to do it alone anyway. So tonight, do it. Remind yourself that you have a purpose in Jesus. Remind yourself that you are chosen, a chosen generation. Someone who, who God loves, who God sees as valuable. Someone who, who is not supposed to let the enemy throw lies in your mind. And as we sing the song, sing it out loud, sing it with your heart, but believing and knowing the truth that anxiety is met with peace, the peace of Jesus, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me and use this moment to surrender it all to Jesus. Pray if you, if you must, if you wanna talk to a leader, our leaders will be here. Talk to them, ask them to pray for you, pray together. But don't, don't miss this moment. There are some of you in this room that may be contemplating the things that we've talked about. And I'm here to tell you, no, no. 
We love you. You have a purpose for your life. We're here for you. We believe in the power of Jesus, in the power of the gospel. We believe that you are meant to be, that you are not an accident, that you were not randomly put together for no reason. No, we believe that Calvary students was chosen by God to make disciples among the nations for his glory and his glory alone. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. And as we sing the song, Jesus, I just ask that we really do believe that anxiety is met with peace, that you are our king and that we can come to you, kneel before you in desperation, understanding that we have been created in your image, that, that when we feel overwhelmed, that it's a normal thing because we live in this broken world, but that you provide something that will defeat all of the overwhelm that we have in our lives, and that is Jesus. We know, Father, that you continue to do great things in Calvary and in our students. And if there's anybody in here, Jesus, that, that needs you, that needs to know who they are in you, Father, that they would be bold and they would come during C group time, that they would come to one of us as leaders, vulnerable, knowing that we are going to love them and show them, hey, it's okay. We have all been there. Lord, we love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.